Okay, I see Cassie's live. Are you there, Cassie? I'm here. So cool. All right, I misunderstood how it works. So um, we'll wait on Angie, I guess. Atlanta Real Estate Realness. Yes, welcome to Atlanta Real Estate Realness. We have got the contract queen herself coming back to grace us with her queenly wisdom. And uh, once she gets on here, we will get started. Oh, there she is. Hello, Angie, are There's you there? Here. Is that our queen, our contract queen? Yes, how are you guys? Good morning, Awesome, guys. it's great to be with out. you again. Same here. Yes. So, so yeah, so there's been a lot of stuff going on, obviously, as Cassie, Angie, and I all know, regardless of which part of real estate you're in. And so I thought we could bring the, we could be graced by the queen herself and she could come back and maybe weigh in on a couple of the issues. The main one I've been seeing is this NAR antitrust lawsuit, which is so convoluted and it's been going on for years and there's different angles to it and blah, 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 blah. I guess selfishly, I'm curious how it will affect Georgia real estate. But first, let's introduce ourselves. Um, I guess I'll start. I'm Amber Rogers. I'm a real estate associate broker and active realtor um, with HomeSmart International, formerly Palmer House. Um, and I'll put all of our info in the link. But go ahead, Cassie, if you want to introduce yourself. Sure. This is Cassie Fuchs. I'm with Southeast Mortgage, a lender extraordinaire. Been doing this for about 18 years. And uh, yeah, just love to get on with uh, great realtors and, and discuss the market and excited to see Angie again. Thank you. So I'm Angie Meza-Smith and I am the managing broker for Keller Williams Realty Heart of Atlanta Group. Yay, and, and Yay congrats. Thank you. And I've been doing uh, this for 24 years. I'm also the owner of RE School of Georgia which specializes in teaching um, very substantive, I'd like to say, very substantive oh, amazing. continuing education courses for real estate professionals in Georgia. Can't so, wait to get on your next class. When oh, is it coming up? I have a couple coming up, so um, I'll have to send you those links uh, so you can uh, share them with everyone. But um, would you like for me to kind of jump in on this whole? Please. Yes. Okay, please. Tell us. And let me let me just give a quick Cliff's note so um, people that may, maybe aren't sure, maybe sure. you could do the Cliff's notes on what what it is in a, in a you know okay bulletproof. But um, but I just wanted to say like what is it okay. and how is it going to affect Georgia agents and buyers and sellers? Okay. So basically, what happened was there was apparently a Department of Justice investigation a couple of years yeah. ago. And um, what they found was that there were uh, widespread across, sprinkled across um, many different real estate brokerages. And the common thread that these real estate brokerages had uh, in common was that they were members of the National Association of Realtors, which prompted um, the Department of Justice to go after the single common thread, which was the National Association. And they said there's, there's unfair trade practices, um, which are federally controlled, such as agents boycotting listings um, and not showing them to buyers based on the amount of mm. co-op commission being offered. Um, MLS That's a big is saying, no -no. <laughs> right. MLS is saying that you can't be a member of our MLS if you're not a member of the Board of Realtors, which is a private trade organization. Mm. Right. You can't be issued a lockbox if you're not a member of this and this mm. and that. 
So that that lawsuit uh, came close to settling. The settlement didn't work out, and there was a motion, and 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 NAR kind of won round one. But what's mm -hmm. happened as a result of that lawsuit is that there's additional class action lawsuits class now action, being filed yeah. against particular brokerages, large franchises. Mm -hmm. In Texas, and, right, is the biggest one. Well, I there, there's a there's there's a couple, but there's, there's a um, class Remax, action lawsuits against groups that are um that are basically representing sellers as a pool saying that you know these practices are not fair to sellers because what the implication is is that the sellers are being told well you mm -hmm. absolutely must offer a co-op commission um to a buyer's broker as a part of your listing agreement with your listing broker that's actually not legally true. That's a big no-no to say that too, because it's all negotiable, That's right, Angie? Everything's okay. negotiable, and there is no there, there is no there are, set commission. There is no set commission, and there's no obligation to pay uh, right. another broker anything. It's just that if you're not going to do that, you have to be very honest and very transparent about it. So it's 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 difficult because it's a it's a double-edged sword. So in essence, when a buyer buys the property they are actually paying the commission because they are yeah. paying for it in the in in the list price which so, is coming uh, out of the net to seller because the seller is going to get less if he's offering a buyer brokerage fee right sorry to interrupt correct, I'm trying to but, make it jump down correct correct but the whole implication is in essence it's being financed in so in essence mm. this has been a cost that the seller is factoring into the overall list price sure. okay so now what's going to happen and, and this this has been murmuring for years but these lawsuits are actually causing it to happen a much more accelerated pace we have to educate ourselves as agents how to have those conversations with sellers yeah. about whether it is in their best interest or not to offer the um uh buyer brokerage commission co-op um at whatever negotiable amount and whether that might be something that they want to do because it's very uh helpful to the buyer because mm -hmm. if the buyer has a buyer's agent that is representing them and they mm -hmm. are obligated to pay that then they have to come up with that money over and above closing costs over and above mm -hmm. down payment over and above everything else and that could be a big hindrance to a buyer so mm -hmm. it could be a very big incentive to a buyer so i see as far as buyer brokerages go, we we have to um, certainly um, you know just be very 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 transparent. We have to explain to the buyers uh, how we earn our money and that um, they are ultimately the one hiring us and they're ultimately the one responsible for paying the commission. And there's a lot of different ways to accomplish this. So for example, there's this new special step that was just written um, and drafted mm -hmm. by the lead counsel, Seth Weissman, who uh, prepares the Georgia Association of Realtor Contracts. And it's basically a special step where a buyer, not an agent, that's a whole different conversation, but agents can't, agents can't use purchase and sale agreements to negotiate their- Oh yeah, they should never be able to do that. Yeah, right, because that could be a license law violation. But yeah. this is a special step with a buyer saying, listen, so I'm the buyer and I've got a contract with my buyer agent and I'm uh, obligated to pay that. But I've also got to come up with a down payment and I've also got to come up with closing costs and I've also got to come up with yeah. other. I'm asking you, seller, would you pay this commission as part of this overall negotiation? Would you pay that 
commission. Oh, I didn't know that, that, that there's a new step. That's amazing. It just came out literally days ago. So wow. we have that in our arsenal. We also have new language in the purchase and sale agreement, um, closing cost paragraph that says that um, if uh, the buyer were to negotiate closing cost, um, that the seller pay closing cost, that the um, uh, closing cost could be if buyer directed their lender um, and if lender approved um, to uh, use those closing costs to pay buyer's commission obligations. This oh, cool. language was added largely uh, not only because they could see that this this trend was happening with the NAR uh, lawsuit, but also because uh, uh, VA buyers, and Cassie can speak to this some more, mm -hmm. VA buyers are not allowed to pay buyer right. commissions. So, mm. so uh, again, I think that it's just going to require us to up our game and be totally transparent. Everybody's just got to understand, number one, there is no set commission. There is no obligation right. for one particular person to pay anything, certainly not a set amount. And we all must be super, super transparent to everyone about who's paying what and how much it is. And we cannot boycott uh, listings um, mm -hmm. um, based on whether a co-op commission is being offered or not, or the amount thereof. So I, mean, um, I do have a, a I have a, a question about that, actually. Okay. So I mean, you no, know, you can't boycott, Gosh, no. but if you know that your buyer doesn't have the additional funds to pay all of these payments, right? So if they don't have the funds to pay the 3% on top, sorry, there's a lot of noise. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Okay. I'm not Good. sure what that is. Me neither. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> so if the... The, um, if the buyer doesn't have the funds that would be necessary to pay for the commission for their, their agent, then an agent would necessarily want to take them to see a house that they ultimately wouldn't have the funds to pay for, correct? They still have well, to take them, have to, right, Angie? You, well, you right. have to show them this and let them make that choice. You have to show them not necessarily the you have to show them the actual the actual um, listing um, and and not remove that from their showing based on you're making that judgment call. That is, they're the adult that signed that buyer brokerage agreement obligating themselves. And like I said, if it ends up that they're like, wait, I just don't have all this money, then again, that all can be negotiated um, with seller, can you help offset some of this cost? Buyer broker, can you reduce that amount of the commission that I agreed to pay just to make the deal work? Um, co-op agent, you know, there's a co-op agent co commission agreement um, that you could um, present before you even show the property. There's lots of different ways to deal with it. What you can't do is make that choice. And this is where the DOJ says absolutely cannot. You right. um, cannot make that choice for, for the them. buyer. It's like uh, you signed that buyer brokerage agreement. You Hopefully. offered to hire me, but again, everything is everything is negotiable. But this is this one's going to be expensive, and this one could potentially be um, um, cost you more out of pocket. But if you want it, let's just dive in and try to make that work. And they need to be the one to make that choice. It's the problem is Cassie I mean, is that. Agents were just plucking it out because that's the easy button. 
and um, that way it's you know it's all about that I get that but I also you know we're setting up our buyers sometimes in these situations to be very frustrated because if you're you know as an agent you're also trying to limit the amount of frustration that your buyer is going to have in these situations and if you know going in that they're not offering closing costs i mean i have agents who may not show a house because they're not even offering any closing costs and that particular buyer is absolutely needing closing costs to get to the table there's you know there would and why would we put our buyer in a situation to go look at a house that ultimately they're not going to be able to get it's, it's get kind into. of like I mean, it's kind of like getting them pre-qualified nobody's getting in my car or i'm not wasting their time until i know that they've talked with cassie they know what they can afford why get them in love with a home that maybe they could have even gotten a better home a hundred grand more but they don't know because they're not pre-qualified it's the same onus that falls on agents to have a proper pre-showing consultation, explain what a buyer brokerage engagement is, explain how it works, give them the option. And then any house they see, I tell them, even if it's for sale by owner, call me. But then when we talk about it, I make sure they know that like, I don't work for free either. So they signed that broker agreement. And if it's a for sale by owner, for example, they drive through a neighborhood at a yard sale, they see it's for sale by owner, they love the house. And that for sale by owner doesn't have an agent, doesn't want to pay a buyer agent, then I give them the option. Do you want me to help you through the transaction? If so, let me call the seller, see if they're willing to offer something, uh, whatever it is. There's always ways around it. But mm-hmm. the key is it's you can't just not disclose and you can't just pick Correct. for them. Oh, we're not going to go see that one because I'm making up, you know, because whatever percent. Way, okay, one, last, one last question. <laughs> sure. One, la- one last question. So... It, if you if you have a conversation a consult with that buyer up front and you talk them through all of this right you say okay you're limited in the amount of funds that you have um so i want to let you know this is what's happening in the in the market they're they're not going to be paying agent there's going to be certain houses that don't you know pay this or pay that or not offering that if the buyer at that time says well i don't want to be put in a situation where i have to get those funds because i don't have them then at that point, could there be some sort of like discussion in the fact that they decided they didn't want to see homes that were Absolutely. like this? Absolutely. Okay. In a case like that, um, the um, attorney that I um, was just speaking about that uh, with uh, one of my dear, brilliant attorney friends uh, who also works for the Weissman Law, who uh, represents Gar, And she said, if you have a scenario like that, then that would need to be stipulated in the buyer brokerage agreement where the buyer's hiring and saying um, that I do not want the I do not want the uh, buyer agent to show me properties um, where they're that are being advertised with you know offering zero uh, commission thus obligating me to pay the full commission or zero closing costs or whatever and whatever those conditions are it needs to be stipulated and agreed in the buyer brokerage agreement that the buyer is specifically requesting their buyer agent to omit those properties that don't have those uh, in, uh, um, incentives offered for the buyer. Can and I that's, throw the I mean, at least, that's a oh, sorry, great, at least go ahead. I'm saying no, is that's a, at least a way that you can legally 
everyone's on the same page that way. Yeah. But for the most, most buyers, and I realized that most buyers, the best practice is to not have that limited thing because even though agents will advertise in an MLS that there's no closing costs, there's no whatever, everything is truly negotiable. And, um, and, and, you know, the minute you omit what might be the perfect house, um, you know, from a buyer, the buyer then sees that on Zillow or somebody else shows it to them or whatever. And sure enough, um, you know, the seller is once presented with the option of um, a special stip to cover the cost of the commission or um, closing costs being paid. Um, anything can happen. Maybe the seller's already had a couple deals fall through. Maybe there's some inspection and defects that have uh, reared their ugly head. Maybe the seller's not getting as much activity as they would like. So uh, th that's why just limiting things out of the gate rather than diving in and trying and kind of taking it on a case-by-case -case basis would be, you know, I would discourage that. But could that be agreed to in a, in a buyer brokerage agreement? Yes. Would I recommend that right out of the gate? No, because, um, you know, it's just like gotcha. when I teach everything's everything's negotiable. Well, could they, and, and could they call like, ahead instead of taking a person mm -hmm. to a house, having them fall in love with it and then trying to negotiate it and it not come through, would it be better for the agent that to, you know, reach out to the listing agent and say, Hey, I have buyers who, who are interested in this home and would like to come see it. However, this is going to be a sticking point for them uh, financially before I even show them the house. Is it something that's negotiable? A absolutely. But the, but the buyer needs to be aware of the house right. and you don't need to make that decision based on that conversation right. with the agent. You need to say, hey, this is a situation. There could be challenges with this one and I don't want to put you through that, but I don't want to deny you seeing this house and trying and go, going for it. Absolutely. Well, yeah. With, and with it's the buyer's knowledge. Yeah. It's super prudent of the agent. You shouldn't be showing a house anyway without having called that listing agent especially the past couple right. of years, because some of them were even under contract oh, of before course. you could even get out the door. So any agent that goes and wastes their client's time on a Saturday when they could be at a baseball game with their kiddo, driving them around from house to house and then finding out later that it's under, I call every agent before each showing and text them. I text me, sure yeah. Available. Just text absolutely. is the best. And then at least I know the situation and if they've got any offers on the table before I go get them in love with the house and find out they're under contract and they've been under contract. But, but, but absolutely. You know, whatever it might be. Or find out if they have, if they already have. Multiple go offers. Go ahead. No, what I was saying is if you find out that, you know, you call and they say, yeah, we've got multiple offers with no for this type of concession, then you can at least let the buyer know, okay, so we can go see the house. I want you to see it if you want, but just know that this is what you're, you may be up against. They may not negotiate on this because they do have multiple not asking for that and, concession. And, 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 and honestly, it's, it's all about us just upping our game and uh, as true professionals, upping your game on the value that you bring as a buyer agent and helping weed through all these negotiations. And um, I just attended a presentation uh, last week about the state of the industry. And it was really alarming about the value that different generations see from their um, buyer brokers. And the, one of the main 
overwhelming largest percentages uh, that that the value is that the buyers um, that are hiring buyer brokers is things like the inspection and the uh, repair um, uh, um, terms of the contract. Once they're under contract. And, um, and there's all different kinds of st- statistics, but like 47% of the reason for hiring a buyer broker was to help with the negotiations. And that a lot of that had to do with repairs, but it was also just negotiations in general. And so we have to remember um, that that is an overwhelming value add. So we're just, those of us who are like Amber, who are out there, who are top professionals and really take their job very, very seriously or constantly, constantly seeking to learn. Uh, those are the agents that are going to, you know, really um, flourish and continue to flourish, even in even though there's additional parts that maybe have to negotiate, be negotiated a little bit differently than they used to be. And I think there's a difference. Yeah. Another set, thing obviously, that- for that. Yeah, go ahead. And another thing to keep in, in mind, yeah, you using those closing costs to pay for the broker uh, uh, payment, I mean, that's a great idea. But you do have to remember that different loans are limited by different uh, percentages of closing costs, right? So if you're looking at a conventional loan, you can only get 3% for, for closing costs. Correct. So if if you use that negotiation to pay that commission, you will not get any other of your closing exactly. costs paid for. You have to pay for those on your own. That is correct. And that's why, but that's why it's, it's, it's going to be handy in cases where the buyer is okay and they weren't going to necessarily ask for closing costs, but they are going to use their closing costs in that capacity or a portion of them. Maybe, maybe it's only a half a percent of the purchase price. Maybe it's not the, you know, a full 3%, but, um, there's at least that ability to do it. But then I was just talking to, um, uh, my attorney friend, and she said this new special step where the seller is being asked by the buyer, um, listen, by, uh, seller, I'm, I'm disclosing to you that I have a buyer broker that I hired and I owe them a commission um, unless there's a commission being paid by you. And could you pay the commission so that, you know, um, it offsets me having to pay this commission myself. If that special step is in there and if the, um, the um, seller is actually paying the co-op commission uh, as a um, directly to the buyer broker, then closing cost could just go towards closing cost and they wouldn't be seen by the lender. They wouldn't be seen by the lender as the seller concession for the buyer, the way. So, so that special step um, and I can certainly send that to Amber, um, I can send that to you, but it, it's um, it's going to be a really handy special step yeah. in the new climate we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So that's great. I mean, it's great to have that knowledge because I, you know, we don't we don't get to hear about it as much on our side, but it definitely affects our buyers and quite a bit. Angie, you're the one that hears about it when it goes sideways. She's the one that's putting out the fire from these things that are, you know happening in real time so that's why we love having her on here because i didn't know there's a new step it literally just got passed she said so until she does her next ce class continued education class i wouldn't have known that so that's amazing and that would save them a lot of money and potentially get a deal done that wouldn't have gotten done 
And Amber, I am, uh, I'm sending you that special step right Please. now. Please. Amazing. Thank you. It to you. Can uh, you to send it, me. can you send it over to me, Amber? I'd love to see it. I'm sure. I'm sending it to sure. both of you, actually. Yeah. Um, just awesome. Thank you. So, and that's, uh, that's coming from the, um, Seth Weissman, who's the general counsel for the Georgia Association of Realtors. Wow, and they, man. of course, are the authors of the GAR right forms, book. which are the most. And the Red Book of Real Estate, right? Yes. Yes. I don't know if people know that. No, they're so good. They're like top, top, top notch. And Angie works right alongside them. Angie, have you seen any crazy cases lately? Um, like that you've had to judge on or rule on rather? Well, I mean, there's always crazy cases. Um, Every day. There, there is no case more more important to us right now than the, the cases with the, the class sector lawsuits. Sure. Because affecting our way of doing business. What do I think is going to happen? I think what we're going to see is, and this is also a big deal, um, right now, there, being a member of the National Association of Realtors is an all or nothing membership, meaning that a brokerage, a brokerage uh, that has a firm license number and has, say, 100 agents, that brokerage has to join the National Association of Realtors, but they can't just join the national, they have to join through the local board. Oh like yeah. the Atlanta board. And then, then they join the state portion, which is in this case, GAR, Georgia Association. And then through that, they join the national. So you can, that's the pathway mm -hmm. for membership, but you can't, you can't uh, henpeck and, and, and choose, you know, some of your agents are realtors and some are not. If as a company, you are going to be a member of um, the board of realtors, then all your licensees have to be a member. Oh, I didn't know that. One of the big changes that we're seeing in these settlements with Remax and with Anywhere Real Estate, which encompasses Caldwell Banker, Century right. 21, ERA, right. and Sotheby's. It was Realogy, so, right? Wasn't it Realogy owned before? It Anywhere used to be Realogy, yes. Okay, it used sorry, to be known as Realogy. So, so what, what they're saying is as franchises, as large franchises, who says, listen, the hamburger's got to be the same throughout the whole country. And so therefore, every one of our franchisees has to be a member of the National Association of Realtors, which means they all have to um, join their local boards and so on. Um, therefore, all of their agents are, are realtors. They are now as a part of their settlement. And this is huge. Um, they're not going to require all their franchisees to be realtors. So now for the first time, you're going to see and again, I don't know how this is going to end up where franchisees that are operating under the name Century 21 or ERA or Remax are all going to either have the ability as a firm, a brokerage, um, regardless of the fact that they are a franchisee of that big brand, um, to either have that firm be a member of the board of realtors or not. The other change, and this is all part of the reason that the DOJ got involved years ago to begin with, is, you know, the part of the reason why so many brokers are members of the National Association of Realtors and the local boards is because the local boards own and operate and control the MLSs and they own the local MLSs. So traditionally, if you wanted to go down and practice real estate in Savannah, even though you have a Georgia real estate license, um, you could not uh, practice for any actual substantive usefulness in Savannah unless you joined the Savannah MLS and got a lockbox key or lockboxes that would work in Savannah. Mm -hmm. But 
you would have to be a member of the Savannah Board of Realtors in order to join the Savannah MLS, okay? Well, suppose that you were licensed with a non-realtor firm. So then your firm then has to become a member of the Board of Realtors and all the agents in the firm have to become a member of the Board of Realtors just so you can join the Savannah MLS because otherwise you can't join the Savannah Board of Realtors. Wow. So I can this see is why the, the DOJ would that's think that's a monopoly. I'm just saying. Absolutely. This is what it got. This is what caused a problem. And, and I'll tell you, there are independent firms in Metro Atlanta, um, such as uh, the, what is now known as HomeSmart, but formerly known as Palmer House, is one of them. Um, and there's several others that they have sister firms. They have a realtor firm and then they have a sister firm that's a non-realtor firm. But they're able to do that in Metro Atlanta. And the reason they're able to do that in Metro Atlanta is because FMLS and Georgia MLS are the two largest MLSs and they um, are not controlled. Their membership base is not controlled by the board of realtors. Oh, um, so therefore, 40%, give or take, of their members are non-realtor brokerages. Sure. So, but if you go outside of Metro Atlanta or you go to Florida, there's no such thing. If you go to Florida, um, every brokerage, every major brokerage is going to be a member of the local board of realtors and agents are looking at for their board dues, because I'm a, a licensed broker in Florida, for their board dues, as well as their MLS up front every year, all in one, about 1200 yep. bucks, right out of the gate, right out of the yep. gate. And, and ours and is like 800 <laughs> But, but try to practice and, and run a real estate brokerage and try to practice without access to an MLS or access to lockboxes or access to lockbox keys. Try to do that. You won't be able to. Mm -hmm. It's a private trade organization that has nothing to do with your license. So this is another layer of what caused all this to come about. So interesting. So that makes is. sense, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. I'm glad that they're yeah, calling it absolutely. out and, and separating church and state. I think it's only fair. Cassie, so what do you think about the zero dollar? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I, I was just agreeing with you, Amber. I mean, it. it there were it's a there were a little bit too tight there. There were a little bit. There were a little bit of uh, problems. For instance, if you wanted to go and show a house in Macon, um, if you weren't a member of the Macon MLS, they could say to you, Amber, um, that e e the listing is in Macon MLS, and we're offering a three percent co-op fee. But because you're not a member of our mm -hmm. MLS, um, that you're not eligible for that three percent co-op fee. Yeah, that's not. That's, yeah. that's not, oh, and by the way, Amber, your lockbox key is not going to open our lockbox. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, I would have had a, a heyday yelling at that broker. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, now I'm seeing all these other gimmicky things, like supposedly Zillow's offering a 1% mortgage rate. What's up with that, Cassie? Any any enlightenment on that one? Well, I'm sure there's uh, tons of fine print. It's not a 1% rate. It's not a 1% rate. It, a 1 rate. They're offering a 1% sure, down. Uh, program. Oh. So, oh. so a 1% down payment. Um, so what they're doing is they require the buyer to have 1% down. Um, and then they're going to give 2% um, in closing cost. So if you're a first time home buyer, you're in a conventional mortgage, you have a 97% loan, you get you you pay the 1% down, and they pay the additional 2%. But they're it sounds great. Oh, it's awesome. They started in Arizona. 
but there's always a catch, right? Okay, um, clarify that because I so, misread it. I'm like 1%. Well, yeah. Who can do that? So the it's limited, it's limited to you have to make below 80% the median in, income for each county. So truthfully, most people who are buying houses right now make more than 80% of the median income to, to buy a house. Um, and so what it, it kind of turns into a little bit of a bait and switch. So the, you know, low mortgage person gets you on the phone. You can, oh yeah, great program. You go get under contract. They come back and you say, oh wait, you don't qualify. Your income is too high because you know Zillow doesn't actually pre-approve anyone. They just let you contract and then they pick up the pieces. So then um, another issue is that the rate is higher. So really what this lender is doing is they're bring a lender credit. And in order to lender credit, you know, when we lock rates, a rate that is at what we call par, which is you don't pay for the rate and you don't get any money out of the rate. It's just right at par. Well, we lock you at a rate lower, you're going to have to pay some money and that's called buying points. You pay the points to get that rate. If you lock a rate higher, money comes out of that and the lender can't keep that money, but they can give it to you in what we call a lender credit. So all they're doing is bring a higher interest rate using those funds to give you that quote 2%. So the final thing that they're not really telling you about is that there's a $4,000 cap on this lender credit. So oh, if you're buying a house for $200,000, yep, you can get that 2% from them. But anything over that, you're just getting $4,000 from, from that lender. So it, it's just a gimmicky way to get people to to get people under contract and then they end up switching to a different program or they end up deciding they'd rather rate all the different things it's just a gimmick right there's also this is not the first type of program like it's you know of its type there's other programs like we have the flex 101 program that people if you're in a 97 loan we give the uh, we do a three percent second and give a lender credit for percent towards closing costs. There's also the Chinoa, which is a hundred, um, and you know all of these programs are higher interest rates because they're getting you to the table with very little down payment, so they're obviously a little bit more risky. Um, they, it it's just a gimmick, honestly, just to get people through the door. I hear you. Well, thank you for explaining that, Cassie, because, you know, I, I don't know about Amber, it. but I did not understand exactly how that worked. And, and I knew there had to be a catch, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I didn't know if it was just being tacked onto the end of the loan, but you, but this whole um, locking the rate at a higher uh, thing, again, like you said, there there's no free lunch. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah. the is actually ultimately going to pay for it either way you slice it. You just got to go That's local right. and I can't sing, you know, seeing Cassie's praises enough. Having a local lender, I know where she works. My buyer knows where she works. She's transparent. She's there on the phone with him on a Saturday night when she's in the middle of a dinner, you know, because she's always local. The local people hire local appraisers. It's just a much smoother. The whole, the whole process is much smoother and you know that they're on your side and you end up using them again and again and again down the line because they, 
you know, they know your area, they know who you are and you know them and could run into them at Publix. <laughs> but the <laughs> rates that they are able to provide are more transparent. It's not this whole bait and switch. Let's get all your info in our database so that we can now do a mortgage operation arm. And now we can do a, an insurance operation arm. And now we can do Zillow homes where we're our own brokerage and putting homes on the MLS after we give you a cash offer, which is really just our wholesaling arm through our hedge fund arm. And I mean, that's, it just, it, it, yeah, that's another that's another point is when people are getting this program, they are then transferred to a Zillow agent. So if you're, you know, your clients wanting this program, you, you got to be careful they because if you don't have, yeah, they'll, they'll end up with a Zillow agent based on getting this program. And nothing against Zillow agents, but I do know, you know, firsthand because they wanted me to be a sales manager when they opened the Atlanta office and I interviewed, they're all straight salary. So think about it. If if your agent is straight salary sitting pretty on, I don't know what they make, 50 grand a year, whatever, and they're happy with it, then what's their incentive to go and get you that house and, you know, hold your hand? And what's their incentive to be polished on their negotiation skills and level up with their sales training and contract knowledge and all of that? It's just, it's, it's just interesting. You make a great point, Amber. Because, <laughs> That's where Angie um, comes in. You make a great, a great point because again, they're going to get paid whether you get a good deal or you're well taken care of or not. That's right. Yeah. Crazy. So I'd rather work for my Earn it every time. <laughs> yeah. And 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 agents that work on a commission basis, you guys are getting out there having to earn that client and earn that repeat business and earn that referral and uh, and work your tail off to get that thing to close or else you don't get paid. So, you know, there's and uh, or definitely else they something. hate you and tell all their friends not to use you. That would be the worst, <laughs> that would be the worst egg on my face, honestly. It's not even about, I don't even think about the money yeah. and I know that's horrible because my mom gets on to me all the time. Why are you cutting your commission? Well, I don't think about the money. I think about the outcome and I'm like, okay, this is a long, a long play. This isn't just like, let me just run this little sprint. Like if I intend to have a career long-term, just like Cassie, just with, like with Angie, you have to build the right relationships. You have to be an honest person and you have to do right by people. And just one bad review could destroy me. So it's like, you want to do right by people anyway, but it, it's incentivizing when you're straight commission. What do y'all think about the market, Angie? Uh, you know, I, I'm surprised loaded question. sellers that are out there, um, you know, although I know that demand is still high and inventory is still low, what I'm seeing is some sellers kind of struggling to get their properties under contract, not in every case, of course, but I'm just kind of surprised by that because we still have such low inventory and demand is still pretty high. So, um, you know, sellers are having to you know, definitely make sure that they're priced right and that their property's in good condition and things like that. So it's well, not the rate just hikes a, doesn't help. And Cassie can speak to that, but rate, it's also seasonal too right now. It, it is. And this is the time of year where, 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 you know, you see a softening in the overall uh, price negotiation and a, a slowing. So, you know, summer and your spring are obviously peak times. But, um, but, you know, we also, by the same token, you also see, you know, other properties that, again, it's all, you know, location and condition and price and all of those same things still will, will matter at the end of the day, uh, because demand is still high. 
and there are still uh, there is still low inventory. So you know sellers still need to compete with other active listings on price and condition. And if you can't compete on location, you've got to compete on price and condition. Yep, three reasons why a home doesn't sell: price, condition, location. Right. Can't change your location right. unless you want to pick up your home. If it's a mobile home on wheels, can't change your. Or you can change your condition, but who wants to deal with contractors and tile colors that your buyer might hate anyway? Right. But you can change your price, and you can be more fair to reflect what the market's expectations are at that and given time. Condition, and a lot of people don't and realize improve the condition. Sometimes mm -hmm. we've sometimes, been so spoiled. Yeah, sometimes just uh, super clean, super decluttered uh is is you know if you can't afford all the renovations you know just having basic uh defects repaired and 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 having the house clean and clutter free as possible things like that help people envision things that could be done to improve it but if the house is in ill repair or it's overly cluttered or it's just dirty a lot of people will just take two steps in the door, turn around and walk right back out. Same thing with the yard, you know? Yeah, so, yard um, is everything. It's yeah, their first impression. Yeah, and and unfortunately we can't do much about it, but sometimes it's your neighbor's yard. So yeah. we get into a lot of these price points where there's either no HOA in certain areas uh, that's controlling that, or there's a very um, loose HOA where it's not, nothing's really enforced. Sometimes that's that's tough because if your neighbors, you know, are not keeping toys and car parts and things out of their out of their yards, that that's that makes it challenging for you trying to sell your house. I know so. I've had to be very strategic with neighbors. So, so Cassie, uh, what do you think? Do you think the rates will keep going up a little bit and then soften a little bit? I know that's the top of it. Well, I mean, we have seen bit of a softening not enough to make you know any major news but yeah. the truth of the matter is whenever whenever there's any kind of conflict war any of that that happens um it generally is actually good for rates i know that sounds strange but it is yeah, that makes sense um so you know as things as things develop over in the the middle east i i think that you know i'm watch we watching that closely to see if that you know changes the market up more for us but again yeah it's a little bit better pricing right now but not not enough to really speak of well maybe i'll wrap it up then does anyone have an absolutely yes or an absolutely not um, tag your it angie what's your absolutely <laughs> not i'm sure you can give us a million of them agents do wrong buyers sellers do wrong we absolutely do not want to ever say that a commission, whether we're saying it to a buyer or a seller client, that a commission is required or that it, there is an industry standard or a customary amount. So we do not want to ever do anything that appears that we are price fixing. I was about Everything's to say, isn't that price fixing? <laughs> yeah, but right. unfortunately, this. this is some of the behavior that is now 
you know, being um, attacked in, in these lawsuits and alleged in, in these lawsuits. So we've just got to be careful because I've actually heard this come out of agents' mouths. And, um, and there is no such thing as a standard. There's no customary. There's no industry standard. When you're trying to negotiate for your commission, um, you can certainly negotiate for what you believe that you're willing to work for. You work on a contingency basis, but to imply to a client uh, that this is what the expectation is as an industry, big mistake. That's, that's an absolutely not. Trouble in the first place. And my absolutely, that's right. And my absolutely must is be transparent. Be very transparent about how you earn your money. Be transparent about who's paying what and how much they're paying. Do not ever um, try to make that decision for a client. Be transparent. Absolutely. Disclosure, 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 right? And so, and Angie, what's your other quote? Oh, sorry. I have to have Angie say her, her quote. Life's all, life's all about choices. All right. <laughs> life's all about Go choices. Ahead, I agree. So um, my I'm just having absolutely due for, for, this is for agents as well as buyers, but really for my agents, I really want you to do your research. Whenever see the newfangled program, the new something out for, for buyers that you think is just going to blow them away. Amazing. Just do some research. Go look at the fine print. Go. I mean, the best way to do it is, you know, just Google the information and look and see what other people found out about it, at least, you know, but start sending it out to all your client database. Just make sure you do the research because it usually if something sounds too good to be true. It really is. Yep. I have a friend um, who's in the same coaching program um, with me and he's, he's, you probably heard of him, Frederick Eklund. He's on like, he's not like my best friend or anything I wish, but, um, but I, we're friendly. And, and he always says GTS. It's like a New York thing. Apparently everyone in Manhattan and in New York city says GTS, man. And what it, and so now I've started saying it to my mom when she'll call me and be like, how do I fix this light bulb? I'm like GTS. It means Google that shit. <laughs> I love it. I just thought that's so funny because it's like, or Google that stuff. We'll say stuff. Google that stuff because it's like in today's world, like it's not that hard to be informed about any. You don't even have to go to college. You can learn a trade. You can learn. I just rewired my whole kitchen. You can learn anything <laughs> on YouTube. So, so mine is my um, absolutely yes is keep buying and selling people because guess what? Rates may or may not go up and down, but if you got to move, you got to move. And you just need a good team behind you. And I, I, it does take a village sometimes to get your client across across the you know closing day, whether it's the seller or the buyer. I have a great lawyer. I have a great lender, Cassie. I've got a great mentor, Angie. And it really and, and law firms are important. You want to have someone Absolutely. with good legal, yeah. And so, um, besides having a skilled agent, and then my absolutely not is don't fall prey to the doomsdayers. I always say this. There's so many doomsdayers and it's all clickbait, you guys, like kind of like the Zillow zero dollar, or I think it said zero one week and now it says 1% mortgage. But if you read the actual article as Cassie did, unlike me, then you'll realize that that's not actually the case. It would be impossible anyway with the FUD. But um, so yeah, so when it seems like doom and gloom and the world is hard enough as it is with war and inflation and all of this stuff, like just be, you know, prudent and read read through things and um also don't think that you have to sit on the sidelines like cassie's doing a buy down rate program for a couple new home buyer clients of mine and there's always a, a creative way to get you over the finish line absolutely absolutely i love it i love it 
Thank you guys. I had a great time, time with you, ladies. Over. I love y'all. <laughs> Thank you. So we much. always I do, always though. <laughs> well, Angie's such a plethora of knowledge. It's hard not to be like, wait, tell me more. Tell me more. I know. Thank, Thank you, you so for your much. time, ladies. And I'll um, I'll send Bye. you everything, and I'll post your information, and we will move from there. Everybody have a good Bye. day. Everybody have bye, a lady. Day. Thanks, darlings. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.